I'd like to thank Aaron K for sponsoring this week's Torah content. June is less than a month away, which means that I'll soon be transitioning into summer writing mode with more Substack articles and fewer recorded shirim. The bulk of these articles will remain free. However, if you would like to support my Torah and access additional spicy written content, consider becoming a paid subscriber by going to rabbishnewes.substack.com. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Machshava Lab podcast, where we explore a wide range of topics in Jewish philosophy, Jewish ethics, Chumash, Nach, Halacha, methodology, and other random things that I find interesting. I am going to be continuing with my plan to record and post audiobook versions of the articles I've written for my blog, Kol Hasridim. Link is in the show notes below. And I'm going to focus on the Divrei Torah I've written for the Parsha. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Chukas, and this is a Devar Torah I wrote in July of 2016, entitled Overlooking Sacrilegious Speech. To anyone who has read through Sefer Shemos and Sefer Bamidbar, it is apparent that B'nai Israel complain a lot. On the surface, their complaints in this week's Parsha seem to be harsh. Not harsher than usual, but harsh nonetheless. So here's an excerpt from Bamidbar 20, 1 through 5. The children of Israel, the whole assembly, arrived at the wilderness of Tzin in the first month, and the people settled in Kadesh. Miriam died there, and she was buried there. There was no water for the assembly, and they gathered against Moshe and Aharon. The people quarreled with Moshe and spoke up, saying, If only we had perished as our brethren perished before Hashem. Why have you brought the congregation of Hashem to this wilderness to die there, we and our animals? Why did you bring us up from Egypt to bring us to this evil place? Not a place of seed or fig or grape or pomegranate, and there is no water to drink. End quote. Sounds pretty bad, right? Not only do these statements reflect B'nai Israel's lack of bitachon, trust, and a lack of hakar satov, gratitude, but they actually, they actually go so far as to accuse Moshe Rabbeinu of redeeming them from Egypt in order to kill them in the desert. One would expect Hashem to respond with a harsh punishment, as he has in many other cases, and to chastise them for speaking disparagingly about his greatest servant. After all, we, see, we saw what happened to Miriam when she said even the most slightly wrong thing about Moshe. The astounding thing is that B'nai Israel aren't punished. In fact, they are given exactly what they ask for without any indication of divine wrath. But uh, Sefer B'midbar goes on and says in Pesukim 7-8 through 8 of the same chapter, Hashem spoke to Moshe saying, Take the staff and gather together the assembly, you and Aharon your brother, and speak to the rock before their eyes, that it shall give its waters. You shall bring forth for them water from the rock and give, the, the, and give drink to the assembly and to their animals. End quote. The question is, why didn't Hashem punish them? What makes this instance of complaining different from the other cases in which B'nai Israel were punished? The Rabag answers this in his summary of the To'alos, the lessons we learn from the Parsha. Quotation from Rabag. The first lesson we learn in this, in this section is in Midos, character traits, namely, that it is not proper to excessively denigrate a person who makes inappropriate statements at a time of suffering and lack of strength. We see that when Israel suffered greatly because of thirst, and they were afraid that they would die because of the severity of their thirst, they said harsh words against Moshe, and yet we do not find that they were punished for this. Indeed, Hashem, exalted as he, gave them water. End quote from the Rabbag. According to the Rabbag, Hashem didn't punish B'nai Israel for their otherwise inappropriate statements because they were in a state of extreme suffering. In contrast, B'nai Israel's other complaints were not out of genuine distress. For example, the first time B'nai Israel complained about water, the Pesukim made it clear that they were doing so in a quarrelsome manner in order to test Hashem. Here's a quotation from Shemos chapter 17, Pesukim 1 through 3. The entire assembly of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of Tzin to their journeys, according to the word of Hashem. Uh, they encamped in Rafidim and there was no water for the, for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moshe and they said, give us water that we may drink. Moshe said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test Hashem? End quote. Another example is the first time B'nai Israel complained in Sefer Bamidbar, in which the Torah says, the people acted as complainers. Uh, it was evil in the ears of Hashem. 
That's Bab Midbar 11.1. The Mefarshim explained that they weren't genuinely complaining out of any real need. Rather, they were, quote-unquote, acting like complainers in order to test Hashem or to rebel against Him. Similarly, in the very next episode, quote, the mixed multitude that was among them cultivated a craving, and the children of Israel also wept once more and said, who will feed us meat, end quote. The Mefarshim explained that the people initially didn't feel the need for meat. It was only when the mixed multitude awakened their desire that they complained to Hashem. In all three of these cases, Hashem did not tolerate their inappropriate speech. Punishment was swift and unequivocal. Why? Because in none of these cases did B'nai Israel complaining, did B'nai Israel's complaining stem from any genuine need or state of distress. It is important to note that the Rabag categorizes this lesson as a lesson in Midos, character traits, rather than a lesson in Deos, knowledge of how Hashem operates. In other words, Hashem's willingness to overlook B'nai Israel's inappropriate speech should not be regarded merely as some abstract principle of metaphysics. Rather, it should be looked upon as one of Hashem's Midos HaRachmim, his merciful modes of behavior, which we are commanded to emulate. Whenever one comes across a lesson in Midos, it is useful to think about specific ways in which it can be implemented in one's own life. As a high school teacher, I am often confronted by complaining teenagers. They complain about everything under the sun. Homework, tests, school rules, teachers, administrators, field trips, student activities, parents, the weather, the temperature, Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, Judaism, Jews, non-Jews, the list goes on. Sometimes their negative remarks cross the border into the inappropriate or even the prohibited category. As was the case with Ben Israel, most of my students' complaints are out of line. However, after reading this Rabag, I realized that sometimes, on rare occasion, my students' negative remarks do come from a place of genuine pain, distress, or unjust treatment. When this happens, I am sometimes quick to lump these complaints into the general category of unwarranted teenage complaining. But I now realize that if I am to emulate the Midos HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I should really take the care to discern the nature of their complaint. I must at least make the effort to see past the words they are saying and try to understand where these words are coming from. And if they are coming from a state of real suffering, then it might be correct to respond with merciful tolerance as Hashem did with B'nai Israel. In highlighting these lessons in Midos, the Rabag is reminding us of a derech in learning ethics from Chumash. Whenever we find ourselves confronted with a situation in which Hashem acts differently than the way we would be inclined to act, we must investigate the situation and strive to understand the wisdom and mercy in Hashem's approach so that we may learn lessons from His conduct which we can apply to our own lives. That is it for today's episode. If you've gained from what you've learned here today and would like to support my production of even more Torah content, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Link is in the description. Thank you to my listeners for listening, and thank you to my patrons for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone. If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at matt-schneeweiss, and my Zelle slash Chase QuickPay and PayPal are mattschneeweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with the financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor an article, share, or podcast episode, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbischneeweiss at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading, and thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.